0: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 36th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I really appreciate everyone tuning in more than you possibly know. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn, that's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N, That way, you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Hunter Hornstein. Hunter is the Director of Fan Engagement for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Class A Advanced Affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Can't wait to chat it up with Hunter right after this break. you ready man
1: let's do this thing.
0: all right hunter welcome on to the pulling tart podcast thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to chat with me uh you're coming off fresh off the golf course uh how did how did you play by the way
1: not well (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: not well at all i'm i'm a terrible golfer it was a last minute invite um and uh Yeah, you know what? When you live in Myrtle Beach, you're kind of expected to uh, be able to play golf. Uh, I'm terrible, but uh, I really just kind of enjoy going out there and having a good time. That's
0: what it's all about, right? For sure. Yeah, I think I've only golfed about four times in my entire life, and I'm absolutely (laughs) terrible. I I go. Better than I am. I go more for the for the socially drinking aspect of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm all in. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell everyone what it's like to work for a team that's a tourist destination like so in Del Marvo where I last worked it's kind of a tourist destination because we're like 20 minutes away from Ocean City Maryland but you're right in the heart of Myrtle Beach so yeah can you just go into that a little bit
1: yeah yeah absolutely first off thank you for for having me i appreciate it been, yeah I've uh, been listening for perfect um, love what you're doing uh i think the last one i listened to was uh old ratzy david Rats, oh
0: yeah uh, good uh, good friend of mine
1: um but i uh, appreciate it thank you um yeah i mean you know i think we are in a we're in a little bit of a different situation than than most teams um you know and i say that because you know those teams usually have uh the benefit of being the only show in town right um in in Myrtle, like you just said, we're a gigantic tourist destination. And you know, because of that, what might work for some teams don't necessarily work for us, and what might work for us don't necessarily work for other teams. And I think that the 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 one thing that we, we try to remember is, you know, we have uh, we have a lot of competition in terms of entertainment options, right? We just talked about golf, right? Tons of golf courses out here. Um, we have the Atlantic ocean <laughs> right next to us. Um, you know, whether it's uh, a putt putt or, you know, there's a wax museum here. There's an aquarium here. I mean, there is so much to do. I mean, talk about the boardwalk. There, there's so much to do here in Myrtle beach that we certainly have a, our work cut out for us uh, when it comes to uh, vying for the tourist dollar, um, Mm -hmm. and vying for their attention. Uh, so our goal is always to just try to get them to the ballpark. And and we have to think outside the box a little bit when it comes to that, because there is so much competition. And, and I don't say that in a negative way. You know, we have great partners, um, with our hotels, with the other attractions and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great ecosystem out here. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that we, uh, we flourish when when the tourists come to town. So if everyone can play nicely in the sandbox and help each other out, we're going to try to do that. So we're very lucky in that regard, where it's definitely not a dog eat dog world. It's it's certainly a collaborative effort uh, amongst everyone to try to uh, provide the best experience possible when you come to Myrtle Beach, right? Because as a whole, our our town thrives off of that, um, you know. But it, it, it's it's definitely different, you know. In, in April and May we have a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, local fans that come out but it's also really cold out here you know uh, okay s- you know speaking as a south Carol- <laughs> carolinian
0: yeah. know, it's
1: relatively cold out here in april and may um, you know and and so the bulk of our attendance boosts in june july and august and uh, you know we aim for that you know certain things that might work for other teams like i like i mentioned earlier might not work for us for example it, you know saturdays other teams might do very well on saturdays we traditionally might not do as well because traditionally it's a check-in check-out day
0: right right? So right okay Tourists
1: come in on a saturday or they're leaving on a saturday um so are you you'll see statistically through the data that our numbers kind of dip on that so we allocate resources to other days i think other teams might really like friday saturday sunday
0: sure yeah they want
1: the weekends We want the weekdays. We want Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Hmm. We do incredibly well. Um, You know, and so it's just a different way of looking at it. Um, You know, we have an ad budget for banner planes. That's not something that other teams might have. Right. Um, You know, we've looked at our data and backed off of of giveaways and and really uh, invested in, in the entertainment side of things. You know, we really believe that if we can get people in the door, we're going to win them over for life. We, we really put an emphasis on that, you know, um, and that goes back to every attraction is vying for the tourists' attention. But if we can get you, we know that we probably are going to, to do a good job of getting you back. Uh, it's something we don't take lightly. It's something we have a lot of pride in. Um, we are up to the challenge, and, and we're excited every time uh, we get a new batch of tourists. That's the other thing, right? Every week, every home Yeah. you're getting new people. So, so we really buy into that philosophy of, as every team does, it's somebody's first day at the ballpark. Sure, That's, that rings so true here. Um, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it's just a, it's a little different. It, it's a, it's fun. It's certainly fun. We put on a party every single night. It seems like, and uh, you know, we have a but we also have a great community behind us too, a great local community of. You know, whether it's the snowbirds that have retired down here whether it's the families that live in the in the suburb areas out here uh, or the veterans that live out here. We have a great uh, mix of, of people, uh, locals and tourists. But, uh, yeah, certainly it, it, it is different. Uh, there are some challenges. Um, there are some perks that might you might not have in, in other markets, um, you know, but certainly uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And we always have new people out all the time and. Um, you know, it, it it just kind of it suits what our culture is, and it suits what our feel and our voice is. You know, sure. we're the Beach Pelicans. We're 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 kind of wacky. We're kind of crazy. We don't. Uh, we don't quite go to the beat of everyone else's drums. We may push the envelope. We want to push the envelope. Right. And uh, we're going to be unapologetic about it, right? Like, we're, we're going to go for it every single time. And, uh, you know, we're going to do us. And I think that's kind of the spirit of a tourist town, too. Yeah? Sure. You just, you got to be wacky. You got to be wild. You got to stand out in, in in some way.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So, hey, Hunter, so what's the biggest difference between working in indie ball and affiliated teams. I know you worked for some indie ball teams out on the West coast. Um, I did want to, so you're, you're from long beach. Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, I did spend a summer in LA. Um, I was an intern for sports science on ESPN.
1: Oh, no kidding. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, their studio is in Burbank and then, um, so I lived in a hostel in <laughs> North Hollywood. Really? Yeah. So it was—it was literally like right across the street from the North Hollywood Police Department. If you know wow, who that, okay. is. Yes. yeah. Yeah,
1: I know. I know exactly kind of where you're talking about. That must have been uh, quite the experience. It w-
0: definitely was because I had never been to the West Coast before. Um, and. <laughs> okay so so yeah it was it was awesome. got to meet some incredible people. Everybody who lived in the hostel with me was um either an aspiring music artist or they wanted to be a movie director or an actor or an actress um There was one girl that was a model um there' it, it's a whole different world out on the west coast but <laughs> So, what was it like working in indie ball on the west Coast, and what's the biggest difference between working in indie ball and affiliated teams
1: yeah uh, i mean so i've I've had this conversation with people before, and this isn't to disparage the folks that have gotten internships right off the bat at the big league level mm-hmm. right this isn't a knock on them at all uh but i am fair i feel very lucky and fortunate that i was exposed to this industry as a whole at the lowest rung of professional baseball you could possibly be. Okay. So, you know, when we talk about indie ball, there's, there's for folks that aren't aware there, there are varying levels of, of indie ball, right? Sure. You know, if you've got the Atlantic league, frontier league, the, the American association, um, you know, teams like the long Island ducks or the St. Saint Paul saints teams that really do very well for themselves. Sure.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Um, you've also got those leagues though, that, that, uh, aren't quite, uh, up to, up to par, um, you know, or, or, or are a little bit lower, um, the Pecos league or, or the league that I was in, which was the, uh, uh Pacific association of professional baseball, which was a gigantic mouthful of, uh, of, uh, of a league name.
0: <laughs> right. But, uh,
1: Essentially, it was an outgrowth of the North American League, which before that was the Golden Baseball League. And I don't want to get into the history of it because it's very you know convoluted and, and long. But
0: um, right.
1: essentially, we were starting a, a new league from scratch. And uh, you know, when I say that we were the lowest rung of professional baseball, uh, we we were the lowest rung of professional baseball. Um, that that scene in Moneyball where where Brad Pitt is saying. There are rich teams, there are poor teams. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. Is quite literally what we were, um, <laughs> okay. and I say that with like the most respect of all. Like I absolutely loved my time there, um, but I'm I'm telling you, we were the lowest rung of professional baseball. We were in a in a park that was city owned, in a ballpark that I mean, this ballpark was straight out of the 50s. It, it had maybe a thousand people capacity at the time. And then we had to build more seats. Um, wow. you know, it, it was, it was used for, uh, the varsity high school games. That was their big ballpark that they got to play at. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, the ballpark was, uh, needed new lights. It, it didn't have really a ground screw. It had two guys that, uh, that worked on the field just because simply they loved it. Um, we didn't have a scoreboard really it was it was very old school and uh we also <laughs> we also had a softball field in center field <laughs> um, nice so the city had added a softball field into dead center so uh if you hit a ball all the way to the fence at dead center uh you essentially ran on dirt and you ran into uh into the, the softball
0: oh field. gosh um, i mean okay. i'm
1: telling you this 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 field is, is called albert park in san rafael california it uh You know, it it, it wasn't anything special, but it was home for us. Right. And, you know, I I think me being exposed to that kind of level of, I say, quote, professional baseball, because technically we were professional baseball, you know, again, the lowest rung. And at 20 years old, when I first started in 2012, you know, I I joined because it was an opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It was an
1: opportunity. It was a brand new club and uh they really just needed bodies they needed bodies to help sure um and you know 20 years old you're really naive and you just want your foot in the door and all of those cliches uh so i was thrilled to join um and <laughs> it basically said hey you're our community engagement manager here you go <laughs> figure it out and uh i i was tasked with figuring out how to build relationships with nonprofits and schools and all these other charitable organizations that eventually would lead to ticket sales. Right. But at the immediate time, it was just build relationships. (laughs) <laughs> I've never done that. I don't know. I did not know what I was doing. Um,
0: but that's and, that's uh, some sometimes that's the best way to learn. A hundred
1: percent, man. Yeah. And, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, and it was absolutely a, a throw into the fire and figure it out kind of situation. But uh, kind of to go back to my original point, I'm so glad I did that because again, nothing against the people that can get the major league internships absolutely nothing against them because that's a great opportunity, but I've had this conversation with, with people that I know who have had those opportunities and now work in the big leagues. Um, and in just talking about our two experiences, I think there's something to be said for the people that grind it out. Yeah. Right. The people that grind it out at the bottom levels. Um, and that philosophy, it doesn't matter if you're in the Pacific association, doesn't matter if you're in the American association, doesn't matter if you're in the Carolina league. Mm hmm. That philosophy is the same. We grind it out and there's no cavalry. There's no resources. You know, most of the time, everybody's pulling tarp. That That is an absolute real metaphor for what we do
0: exactly at these levels. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think it's a lot easier for us to go to the big league level and have success than for someone at the big league level to come down to us and have success. Oh, it's yeah, just different.
0: For right? sure. It's just
1: different. They're worried about winning championships. They're worried about winning rings. We're a small business. Um, so in that sense, I don't think it's too different from the uh, the philosophical sense.
0: Right. right.
1: We're not in baseball. We're about community service we're about uh, making uh, memories we're about fan engagement we're about entertainment we're, we're about everything else except for baseball and I think from indie ball to affiliated ball that reigns true um, the, the difference I would say though is you know we, in now here in Myrtle Beach uh, number one I have an office okay <laughs> I did not have that in uh, in indie ball we uh, we worked out of a, a converted garage for nice. the better part of the first year um, you know I, I we have an actual server in the office um, for the better part of the first year. I worked off of my personal laptop and yeah. used my personal phone to make phone calls and emails and all that stuff. Um, you know, we have more than 1,000 actual seats in our ballpark. We don't have a uh, softball field in center field. Um, we have more resources, but it, that's really the only difference. I, yeah. I think the philosophically it still comes down to we're all about making memories. We're about entertaining. We're sure. about having a good time, right? We're not in baseball. The baseball takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. We're about creating a community, creating memories, uh, and being a good community partner. And at the end of the day, we ha- we're, we're part of the community. Yeah. And our staff is active in the community. Uh, our team is active in the community. Our brand's active in the community. And that's, that's so important. So from the difference, I'm getting paid a little bit more um, I have an office and I have a little bit more resources, uh, but philosophically there, there, there is no difference. And, and to kind of wrap up this point is I'm, I'm so glad that I went through this uh, at the level that I did because yeah. after three years, you kind of look back and you go, man, if I can get through that, cause I went through the shit, I went through the mud. There were literal blood, sweat and tears going into what we were doing Oh yeah, um, at, at our level and, and, you know, working for, Free working for a thousand dollars stipend, working for twelve hundred dollars a month, and not knowing if you have a, a season next year. Yeah, not knowing when the rug's going to come out from right. Under you. Um, you know, it, it really it really battle hardened me, and it really proved to myself, hey, you can do this. Yeah. And so when the opportunity was to, to jump to affiliate ball and have a little bit more security, um, you know, I, I was I was thrilled, and and I've kind of made that commitment. Hey, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. If I want to do this. I'm good at it. And, uh, I'm so fortunate to be, to be in this industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, that's why I love doing this is because like, I didn't think you could get much lower than Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> because like our press box was a trailer. Um, we, the front office shared a bathroom with the coaches. Um, <laughs> you know, we never had a server or anything like that. We didn't have caller ID on our phones. Um, the press box was literally a trailer, like, put, like, raised in, like, the stadium. And it's, it had been there for 35 years. Um, and players had to walk from the dugout to the clubhouse um you know that kind of stuff it, oh and there was a clock in the corner of the scoreboard that didn't work the entire four years that i was there um <laughs> it, you know things things like that uh, and then like we would host uh high school tournaments and stuff like that and people would bitch and moan about paying three dollars for admission and they're like why am i paying three dollars for admission well you're playing on a professional field like i have to you know we have to pay the groundskeeper to to maintain this you know Um, people think
1: everything's free yeah i I don't quite understand that but
0: uh, (laughs) but i i love hearing that it does get worse than beloit apparently
1: (laughs) And, but, and it's not even like it's, I, I feel like it's not even like it's a competition. Like, oh, I, we went through the shit worse than you. Like, I, I feel like just there's a kinship there, right? Yeah. Your experience in Beloit, you know, you saying all that stuff of being like, you know, we had a trailer for a press box. Like, our press box was like, I feel that. Our yeah. press box was a folding table that we set up down the right field line, and that's where I sat. Yeah, and tweeted about the games, or I—that's where I wrote my game stories. You know, in 2012, right? Twenty-year-old, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Yep. You know, there, there's just—but I also didn't know any better. Yeah. Right. Like I—that's I, to me, it was just like, holy shit, I'm part of this team. Like this is really cool. Right. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. And I have a kinship with with the people that no, not only go through indie ball, but like, like you just said, you know, have those experiences. And, and I just think that there's such a difference when you have to grind it out. Like, we are grinders down here. And, oh, and yeah. that goes for anybody that's ever worked at a minor league team, sure. whether it's affiliate, whether it's indie ball. And, again, it's nothing against the people that work at the big league level. But, you know, we're not working in front of 30 Forty-five thousand people no. with the bright lights, with a game on ESPN and big leaguers and getting World Series rings. Like that's not what this is about. This is about people that just grind it out, that are here because they love it, um, because they they've made a career out of it, and and that's about community and, and 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 making connections. And it's just so much more than just having to wear a suit and tie into the office every day. Oh yeah, Like I, I, I don't know, like. That question, what's the difference? I mean, there are a few, but I, 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 think the point is that philosophically, we're all the same. We're all grinders, like right. we're in the minor leagues, like regardless if you're affiliated or not, you're you're in the minor leagues and you're doing this for a reason.
0: Oh yeah, yep. So can you talk a little bit about working for the Erie SeaWolves? Uh, trivia: I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania nice yeah so um so just go into that and especially what it was like to host games in april up there because (laughs) i know it snows a lot and it is very cold and eerie
1: uh yeah Um. um I mean when I, when I went up to Erie uh, it was after, it was after my first year at Myrtle Beach in 2016 I, I got the opportunity to go up to Erie in a full-time capacity and uh, at the time it was it was a right move for me personally, professionally. Um, it was a next step in that you know career path right um, And I have I have nothing but good things to say about my time in Erie. I absolutely loved it. I, I've met a lot I met a lot of good people uh, with the Seawolves organization. Um, you know, folks who, who are still pretty good friends at, at, at now. You know, three um, really? four years later. Um, you know, my only gripe, I, I guess I would say, is the weather. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm from Southern California. I lived in Myrtle Beach. I'm I'm a beach guy, man. You know, I'm used to the beach. I'm used to warm weather. I'm used to seeing the sun. And uh, when you don't see the sun for nine months, that uh, that is a culture shock. Yeah. Um, you know, I think also in Erie, we were we were a small. Small market team. You know, I think if you looked at the Eastern League in 2017, uh, the Hartford Yard Goats were opening up a brand new stadium. Uh, There's, you know, teams like the Reading Fight and Fills who have been there and and really established themselves as industry leaders. Of course. Uh, You know, you could go on and on, you know, Akron and whatever. Um, But for us, you know, we were a little old eerie. And um, I'll never forget what Greg Coleman, who's the president up there, told me during my interview. uh, Because at the time I was, I was also mulling over options from a few other teams okay. uh, in, in higher leagues. And he told me, you can go somewhere else and be just another cog in the machine. Or you can come here and you can grind it out and you can make an impact and be responsible for changing the direction of this franchise. And that you know, that really struck a chord with me. You know, yeah. he, he said, you can come here. You're going to work your ass off but you're going to make an impact. Okay. You're make an immediate impact. And that was a huge, huge deal for me. And we certainly did, you know, we, we knew we were underdogs. We knew we were a tiny little Erie. Um, you know, at the time the hockey team in town, uh, was, was winning championships for Um, mm-hmm. and, and had guys like Connor McDavid coming through who, you know, Erie was a hockey town. Um, yeah. you know, so we had a uphill battle, but, but we were the little engine that could, and we called ourselves that and we, we worked our asses off and, um, I have nothing but good things to say about my time in Erie because it it really taught me, again, that grinding mentality. And I think I could pull from my experiences in Indie Ball um, to to help me with that. Yeah. Um, You know, the friends that I made up there were awesome. I I lived right downtown. It was just a really good, good spot. It was a lot of fun. But you're absolutely right. It is cold. <laughs>
0: oh yeah! And,
1: you know, it, it was a culture shock, and, it, and that was tough to adjust to. You know, I, I I've never had to uh, shovel snow off the field.
0: Was that was that I, the first just, time you've ever I've seen never had snow?
1: To do that. Uh, no, it's not the first time I've seen snow. I, I've, I've fortunately, I've seen snow since I was a, a baby. Uh, but my experience has always been visiting and then coming straight
0: Right. Out. Okay. Um, so
1: this was the first time I lived in the snow, which was a complete culture shock and adjustment in you know, itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, like hosting games in April, like you know, it, it it's cold. I mean, it's cold as hell. I. I day, we got postponed opening day and the day after for snow outs. Um, you know, we had, there's plenty of nights where we had more staff in the ballpark than fans. Yeah, And you know, there's something to be said for when you're standing on the concourse in the sixth inning and you've got long johns on, you've got pants on, you've got a long sleeve shirt on, you've got a sweatshirt on, you've got a jacket on, and then you've got a snow jacket on and a beanie on, and you're just cold to the bone there's nobody in the ballpark and it's a sixth inning and you just know you have to just get through it. Yeah. You just have to get to the next day. Um, and, uh, again, that goes back to that, that grinder mentality. And, and, you know, it, it, makes, I think it makes you better. It makes you appreciate what you have moving forward. Um, but yeah, uh, pulling tarp in, in the, in the snow and the rain and the ice and, and shoveling snow off of a field, I, man, <laughs> I'll never, ever forget that, that game in April. You know. You know, we had a game. It was the night, the night before we got snowed out. And it was a whiteout. So we got snowed out.
0: Quite oh, yeah. Late. Yep.
1: And uh, basically, you know, Greg Coleman told us uh, he said, All right, game's banged. We're coming in tomorrow we got to be here at 7 a.m. because we have got a lot of snow to shovel. I mean, we were calling in game day employees. We were calling in volunteers. Uh, the city sent in workers. And I, I just I, – I'll never forget that uh, going out there just trying to get snow off the field – before three o'clock, and uh, and then once three o'clock rolled around, then we had to jump into into game mode. Right, and you're just exhausted. You're tired. You're you're cold. You're wet. You're hungry. You're you're bitter. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, again, though, like I'm glad I went through that. You know, I I don't think I could do it long term. I, I certainly didn't anticipate myself doing it long term. Um, you know, but. And for the for the time that I was there, it was the right move, and I'm glad I went through that experience. It gives me a better appreciation for what I'm doing now. Um, I know it could definitely be worse, um, and I have nothing but admiration for the folks that are that are in Erie. And uh, you know, I have a lot to, I have a lot of uh, gratitude and, and thankfulness um, and appreciation for, for Greg Coleman, Greg Gania, uh Mark Perillo you know, Amy McArdle and, and, you know, all the folks that are up there, Chris McDonald, you know, the people that have been there for, for years and, and grinded it out. Um, I, I'm so, I'm so thankful for that, that opportunity. And it, again, I'm not just blowing smoke up people's ass. I, I truly believe this. Um, but if you were to ask me, are you, uh, any, are you, uh, uh, are you eager to go do that again? I would say no. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm I get not, that. I, I'm
1: okay with that. I, I had my experience, and I'm I'm okay now. <laughs> I get
0: that. So um, in Wisconsin, it's pretty similar Erie to or similar weather to Erie, and so um, I remember one game we were playing the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and our catch. Is, so again, there's there's nobody in the stands. There's, there's more staff. And that's saying something because we only had a full time staff of like five. So, um, so I can hear from the press box the catcher say to the umpire, "So it's snowing sideways, man." And he's like, "He's like, how long are we going to do this?" And the ump, the ump's like, "What do you mean?" And he and the catcher says, "I can't see the ball coming at my face," and <laughs> and it's, and like the umpire was just like. We're going to play until I say so. And so, you know, the both managers come out, and they're like, come on, how how long are we going to do this? And I think we needed another another inning to make it official. And there were, like, literally probably eight or nine errors in that one inning. And uh, the Snappers came back, took the lead, and we won the game, and it was an official game. So <laughs> it all worked out in the end. But so... Um, which place is worse to pull tarp, Erie or Myrtle Beach?
1: Erie, hundred percent. Okay, I, I have no problem pulling tarp in the middle of like a rainstorm or when it's humid or hot or anything like. I have zero problem. I'd rather it be hot. I'd rather it be humid. Right. Um, the pulling tarp when you have a uh, a sheet of ice over the over the tarp and that you have to break it up before you run and get it. Yeah, uh, run and take it off. I should say um, that that stinks. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: That's the just, heaviest yeah. tarp you will ever pull. Oh
1: my god! And it's just cold, man. It's yep. so cold. Like I got—I think the first time we pulled tarp when it was like in April, or maybe it was right before April. Um, I made just the tragic mistake of not having extra socks or not having oh, yeah. you know extra shoes or anything like that, and my feet got wet. And I'll tell you, man, that just it is bone chilling, and it's just cold, and your body's tight, and it, sometimes you're pulling the snow, and you haven't seen the sun since you know August of that of the previous year, and you know it just it it it, it stinks. Um, I, I've I've that here's the only place that I've fallen on the tarp too. Oh, okay only place that i fall on a tarp and that was because of that goddamn ice
0: yeah that'll do it man feet,
1: feet feet out from under me right on the side and i had a nice little bruise on the side of my uh on the side of my hip there um Ooh. yeah I, i'll pull tarp all day I, number one i should probably finish start by saying is i don't want to pull tarp of course the biggest the biggest thing um the biggest gripe I think I've had in this, uh, 2020, uh, season postponement is all the people that have tweeted out, man, I miss baseball so much. I'd rather pull tarp. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on that. Um, I will never, ever miss tarp that much. I'll never miss baseball that much. Um, I absolutely hate tarp pulls. I know, I do know people that, that, that it, enjoy tarp pulls and, and, uh, credit to them. Um, but uh, yeah, when when people say, Hey, I miss baseball so much I'd pull a tarp right now, I just can't get on board with that. Um, but if I had to choose let me pull a tarp in in, uh, in Myrtle Beach, um, it's just it's just too damn cold. Yeah. Uh, and, and and like honestly, that's only two months. Right. Like after that, it's fine, but sure. Um, Two months are a long two months. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it's really cold. Yeah, I get it's you. It's really cold. Yes, I get you, man. So we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about some promotions, and uh, we'll be right back with Hunter Hornstein right after this break. Welcome back, Hunter. Uh, so, what made you come up with the idea for Deaf Awareness Night? Such a cool promotion. Um, you know, I think that really puts you on the map, you know, in MILB, at least, especially in Myrtle Beach there. Um, made some national headlines. Uh, yeah, can you just kind of go into Deaf Awareness Night?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... So number one was not my idea.
0: Uh, oh, okay. I'll
1: take credit for it. Um, uh, you know, credit goes to, uh, Ryan Canella and, and his ability to create a connection with other leaders within our community. Um, so Ryan Canella who is now our assistant general manager of sales with the ball club, he, uh, he had a relationship with, um, uh, a gentleman named Michael Sokolik here in Myrtle right. Beach, and uh, at a I, it was either a Rotary or some type of speaking event that that canella was at. Uh, he was explaining about our fundraising opportunities and what we do to kind of elevate nonprofits in the area, and you know all that good stuff. Right. Um, and Michael was in attendance, and and they had known each other before, um, and had a good good relationship. And he had basically just came up to to Cannella and asked. You know, what have you guys ever done anything for, for the deaf community? Um, Michael has a daughter who is deaf and had just started his own nonprofit
0: to okay. kind
1: of help support other families of deaf children, uh, other people within the deaf community here in Myrtle Beach. There really hasn't been anything like that out mm-hmm. in this area specifically. Okay, and so we so we asked Canella, really, you know, what what can you guys do? And and Ryan, to his credit, just said let me let me talk to our folks. We can absolutely do something we're in, but we want to flush them out some ideas and I'll get back to you and and, okay. uh, and now, canella has a really I'm not going to say it's a bad habit, but he has a habit of running into the office with ideas almost every single day, um, okay. and multiple times a day. Uh, not all the ideas are great, um, but he just has so much energy and passion for for this. Um, it's it's awesome. And uh, this particular day, he came running into the office and, and said, "Hey, uh, what do you think about doing something for for deaf awareness?" Yeah, um, and you know, everybody within our office was like, "Yeah." Let's, let's let's do that do that sounds yeah. awesome he's like perfect i have a nonprofit that i i want to highlight i have community people that, that want to be involved um you yeah, let's figure this out and, and it just kind of evolved from there you know i think uh one thing that we really push here in myrtle beach and this starts from the top with our with our management um our general manager our team president uh, ryan moore has always always said do not go just for the field goal we're not going to do promos just to do them we're not going to do them and dress up a couple of people on staff and call her good no we're going to go for the touchdown we're not settling for three we're going to go for six i like that and uh you know that was kind of the mentality that we took into this thing and and it started with all right let's do jerseys how can we do jerseys and and we uh we came up with the idea of doing asl style jerseys um Replacing the pelican script with uh, spelled out in sign language. Yep. Um, we did a hat with that, and uh, and then I had a, had the idea of of bringing in some sort of complementary piece, right? So like your celebrity appearance or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was familiar with Curtis Bride who was uh, a former Major League Baseball uh, ambassador for inclusion. Uh, he had, a, I think, a 12-year career in Major League Baseball. He was an outfielder. He's 96% deaf, I want to say, 96, 98. Okay. Um, and, but had a great career, played for the Yankees, the Expos, the Angels, um, and uh, reached out to him, and he is a baseball coach, current baseball coach at Gallaudet University, which was which is one of the top um, – Deaf uh, universities in the
0: country. Oh, okay, um, very cool. And
1: uh, and he loved it, and was like, "Hey, do you want to come out and just you know, just basically do one of those you know former player celebrity appearances and kind of add to this night?" So yeah, so we brought him in, and uh, and then it just kind of went from there. We we announced the promo. Uh, it it went uh, it went viral. Um, the announcement did, and a ton of different news outlets picked up our, our jersey, picked up the night. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there, we realized, wow, this is kind of getting a little bit bigger than we thought it was. Um, how can we just continue to layer on and layer on and layer on? And so the idea of uh, apparel came out. We did shirts and hats and, and um, you know, with the ASL script. Uh, we, I t- we reached back out to Curtis and we said, hey, this is getting even bigger than, than we thought it would. What do you think about hosting a free clinic for any deaf athlete that wants to come out. He was all in. So we were going to have cool. a clinic with, with deaf athletes, our players and, uh, and Curtis pride. Um, we reach out to our, our, uh, attraction and travel partners, any people, anybody that wanted to come into town for that weekend. Um, we're going to get discounted hotel rates. We are going to get them tickets to the different attractions around the area. Cool. You know, we, we really focus on making this as inclusive as possible. And, um, our belief was, if we're gonna do this, we're we're all in. Yeah, we're gonna do everything we sure. can to make this community, who uh, to some degree has been neglected in our community, uh, make this these group of people feel like they have a home here at the Pelicans. Okay, um, and 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 it just took off. And uh, you know, in in the game, we did uh, you know we did everything from in-game interpreters, uh, where we had them at the box office, front gate. Uh, pro shop, uh, wow. in the concourse area. Um, uh, you know, again, just trying to do whatever we could to, to make this as inclusive as possible. And, and it, it really doesn't happen without the help of our community. Um, we, we were able to connect with, um, uh, a woman named Amy Herrera, who was a, uh, and she's deaf and she's an ASL, inter- uh, uh, teacher at Coastal Carolina university. So okay. we, we reached out to her. She was all in. Uh, she helped us get volunteers that knew ASL and interpreters to disperse around the ballpark. Um, you know, we leaned on Curtis and Gallaudet university to help push that messaging. You know, we leaned on Michael, um, to, to help reach out to his people. Right. Uh, we, we had, uh, a, a gentleman named, um, jason Hurdich who is uh south carolina's only deaf uh interpreter uh, oh. who actually kind of came to fame here locally in south carolina during uh i believe it was hurricane matthew um when Nikki halley was the governor uh or haley um was the governor and um he was interpreting for her and he kind of exploded in in you know oh. kind of celebrity style here in, in in uh, South Carolina, cool. uh, so he came on board and, and helped push that message and, and man I'll tell you what like we have promotions that are wacky or wild, fun, but you also have the ones that you know are making a direct impact and they're impacting a group of people in your community and outside and and as we saw this thing blow up more and more, both online in the media, uh, here locally, um, you know it was just so cool to see. And that night was, you know, a lot of planning. There was a lot of pieces involved, a ton of people involved, um, in, within our staff and, and elsewhere yeah. to just try to make all of this stuff work. Um, but that night, I, I remember, um, I remember that night meeting families as far as Tennessee
0: and wow. uh, okay. from
1: Chicago who who saw it on on MLB Network or saw it on ESPN um, and and just said we have to be here because my daughter's deaf or my brother's deaf, and we want to be down here and, and enjoy this. And this mm. is so cool. No one has ever, uh, has ever done this for us. And it's so cool to see us represented our community represented sure. this way. Um, you know, seeing, seeing the deaf community represented it this way. Um, and that's so, that's so rewarding. And, and like you said, you know, it, we got national coverage, Clinton Yates on around the horn, yep. uh, wore our Jersey, um, but really the topper when it was all said and done was, uh, the baseball hall of fame reaching out to us and, and requesting a game worn Jersey. Um, and to have that come through our channels, uh, I mean, man, it, it was, it, it's probably the most humbling moment right. of, of my career. Um, and it's certainly exciting. Um, but just to know that, wow, this little idea from somebody within our community turned into this and turned into this being as big as it was, was, was just so cool. And, and we facilitated a, uh, an in-person donation. Um, uh, Ryan Moore, Kristen call Ryan Cannell and myself went up to Cooperstown to, to deliver that Jersey. And, um, you know, I, I haven't been, I, the last time I went to Cooperstown, I was eight years old, 10 years old. Yeah. And since then, I had such a greater appreciation for our game. Right? Of course, when you're a yeah. child, baseball players are superheroes. Yeah. Um, but after working in this industry and doing the things that I've done and meeting the people that I have, um, the appreciation uh, and understanding of the history of our game is, is just so much more, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just bigger, right? It's yeah. so much more, uh, uh, it's just bigger. I, I don't know <laughs> but uh so to do that was really cool and to know that um we are in the long storied history of this game um forever yes yeah. sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around but it's just i mean at the end of the day it's just cool it's so cool. Yeah. And, um, I'm so thankful that, uh, we were able to pull this off and we were able to do this. And it still is one of my favorite things we've ever, I've ever done. We've ever done. Um, and then to see other teams kind of take the baton and run. Sure. Um, because ultimately that's what we try to do, right? We try to, we try to take something, make it better and just exactly. keep it going. Cause yep. it's so important to do that. And just so to see other teams, um, Take take the baton, whether it's uh, whether it was the Washington Nationals, uh, Frisco, um, the Rochester Red Wings, uh, Windy City Bulls in the in the G League, mm-hmm. um, you know, any of these teams that that kind of took the baton and ran with it, uh, Amarillo, you know, just it was it was really humbling. It was really cool, and ultimately, this is why we do what we do of to impact people's lives, and and uh, and we certainly did. Um, so we did it again. The following year, in 2019, we were supposed to do it this year. Uh, we'll do it next year, in 2021. Um, we're going to change up the jersey look a little yeah. bit. And I'm so excited for, for people to see uh, the new iteration of the ASL jersey that we're going to okay. do. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a, just an overwhelming experience to, to go through that in 2018. So rewarding. Um, and credit to, to so many different people for, for pulling that off. Um, you know, it was... It was really cool and and uh you know it's why we do what we do man
0: yeah yeah it's so cool i mean that was i you know obviously one of the coolest promotions i've seen out there but like you said it's always like great when you get a social media message or somebody comes up to you at the end of the game and says like you know this really meant a lot to me um and so like and then you reiterate to the rest of the staff, like, this is why we do what we do. You know, like you like you said multiple times. Like, you know, that always hits close to home for me too. So um so I wanted to jump into a little bit about some other cool promotions that you've been a part of. Uh Derby Eve and Altern Alternative Facts Night.
1: <laughs> which one do you want to talk about first? Cause they're vastly different.
0: Let's do Derby Eve.
1: Okay. Derby Eve. Uh, so Derby Eve was last year, right? 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year. Um, sorry. The 2020 has just done a number on like timing. I Everything. No <laughs> yeah. where, where I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Derby Eve. um, <clears throat> So, yeah, so in the spirit of like how I said earlier, you want to go for the touchdown, you don't want to go for just the field goal. Um, you know, plenty of teams have done derby derby night and stuff like that, you know, it's nothing special. Yeah. Um, but the way we kind of look at at promotions, especially ones that have already been done, we kind of want to figure out uh what's the what's the different angle? How can we take an idea, turn it on its head just a little bit, okay. um and make it unique to us. And uh you know, you talk about collaboration, right? This was certainly a, a promotion that happened with a lot of collaboration, and actually started with one of our game day ushers. Okay. Uh, his name's Rich Privetera, Um, and prior to him being out here in Myrtle and working as an usher for us, um, he's a retired jockey, like a professional horse jockey. Whoa. And Is he uh, a tiny uh, little man? Done, done a ton of, yeah. He's, he's just <laughs> this little guy, yeah. and uh, he looks like a jockey. Okay. Um, But, uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's been an usher for the last few years. And, uh, I mean, when he was a jockey, like I've looked at his history, like he's pretty good. Okay. And I don't know how you quantify good jockeys, but like he's won a ton of races. Um, and, uh, so we were talking in, this must've been April 20. Yeah. This must've been April, 2018. So the season's not even over yet. We're wrapping up. And, uh, and he pulls me aside. And he's like, "Have you ever, have you guys ever thought about doing something for the derby?" Um, and admittedly, we had not. Yeah. And, and so, kind of, we're like, you know what, Rich? No, we haven't. Let's take a look at the schedule. We looked at it. We were not in town for the actual derby, but we were in town the night before. Okay. And uh, and I was like, well, you know, what I mean, we're we're in the night before. It's a it's a Friday night, Thursday night. I can't can't quite remember. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Like. You obviously have a vested interest in this. Kind of what's your thinking? Because I know you got something in your head. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just thinking like it'd be really cool because I have access to horses. It'd be really cool if we like had horses at the ballpark that people could see and like people could dress up. He's like, it'd just be. I think it'd be a really cool theme night. And uh, so he says that. I'm like, okay, okay. Um, more of our staff kind of gathers, and in, in, including our, our team president Ryan Moore and uh, and he's like you have access to horses huh and we're like yeah and he goes would you ride a horse <laughs> and he's like yeah yeah absolutely like we could ride it around the concourse you ride it on the ballpark whatever yeah and then it kind of divulged into well what if you got two horses and he's like i could get as many horses as you want and then oh, that turned gosh. into what would you race them and and to rich's credit he didn't even hesitate he was like yes absolutely we could do horse race, <laughs> and it was kind of one of those moments where we all kind of looked at each other in the office we went holy shit we have something here and it wow. turned into we're going to do this horse race and i did some research I, I hadn't seen and maybe if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i hadn't seen up until that point that any other team had tried to do a live in-game horse race
0: that is um, crazy yeah. during
1: during a game and i was like Hell yeah! This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a horse race. I, I want it We're going to figure it out. I don't know how. We're going to figure it out. So this started in August, and uh, you know, it, it, it came to fruition. And not only did we do jerseys, um, not only did we have the whole staff dressed up, not only did we uh, did we have you know mint juleps at the ballpark. Not only did we have uh, you know a, a best a hat contests and like all the okay. stuff yeah that you would add to a theme night but the big thing was we're gonna help hold a horse race and uh I, I just remember us announcing that and everyone was so skeptical thinking that this was gonna be it was like yeah sure you're gonna do a horse race and we would somehow figure out a way to do it so it wasn't an actual horse race but we no. could just say that it was a horse race yeah and every time people said that it was no we're actually going to do this <laughs> um, and uh, I'll tell you what, man. You, again, collaboration there was a lot of moving parts,
0: yeah.
1: You know, I, I'm sure our grounds, uh, our grounds guy was his name's JC. Uh, he was awesome. I remember the first time we told him that, he was like, All right, we'll figure it out, and it's <laughs> like. Oh, crap! Like when you have everybody on board, when you have people on your staff that that are are all for the cause, that's pretty awesome. yeah, and I'm sure he had his reservations, but uh you know he said we'll we'll figure it out um and so we we practiced it over and over and timed it out and timed from the moment we come in to how we're gonna go out, like just so many moving parts leading up to this thing, and we did it in may and uh and I'll tell you what, man. Those 45 seconds in the middle of the third and fourth inning were the most nerve-wracking 45 oh, seconds I'm of sure. my entire life. I was terrified because obviously, you know, as you know, as everybody else that's worked in minor league baseball knows, like you can have all the planning in the world. You can have all the practice in the world. Things are going to go wrong. It's just yeah Things are going to go wrong, and, and uh, you know, especially with this where it was – Real life animals, uh, you know, no one really knew. Like we could practice as much as we want, but no one really knew what was going to happen. Yeah, and uh, I- I'll tell you, those forty-five seconds were were pretty terrifying. Um, but we did it. We pulled it off, and it was one again one of those moments where you go, "Wow, our, how lucky are we to be in this industry?" Right? You don't see that at the big league level. Yeah, you don't see that at any other like how lucky are we to have done something like that and uh and it was really it was fun it was crazy it was so cool um you know you you kind of breathe that sigh of relief after it's done you're like damn all the all the hard work paid off
0: exactly uh,
1: <laughs> but then yeah but then also derby you've kind of we, we caught lightning in a bottle too javier Assad, who was our starting pitcher had the play of the year um and uh it was a he was pitching and it was, it was before the horse race. So the most electric thing actually happened before the most electric thing.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
1: ground ball right side. He's going over to cover first. He bobbles the ball. And instead of trying to pick it up again and shoveling, shoveling it over to first, he kicked it. He kicks the ball.
0: Oh, I do remember that, yeah. he kicks
1: it over to first, and he gets the out. Our broadcaster at the time, Zach Bigley, has a tremendous call on this thing. Um, I actually did not see the play happen in real time. Oh, wow. I was behind the scenes doing stuff. I'm pretty sure this was like six or or eight outs before we were supposed to do the horse race, so I'm kind of worried about that. So I actually did not see the play in real time. Um, But I – I heard the reaction, and then my phone's blowing up from them being like, hey, we need to cut that play. Let's get it out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, just go for it. Like, I'm dealing with horses right now. Yeah. You guys get this play out. Let's get it out. Yeah. Um, but it was a play of the year. The guy kicks the ball. Uh, and the best part about it was, so the play goes viral. Um, a lot of different outlets are playing this thing. But we're wearing our jockey jerseys. Yep. So we're wearing these Argyle-style you know
0: bright yellow and red, bright
1: yellow with blue, like diamonds on, yeah. Them. And people act like people don't have the context, they just see the play. So they're like, What the hell are these jerseys? These yeah. things are terrible. <laughs> and so, like, most of the comments about it weren't necessarily about how awesome the play was, they were more about how terrible the jerseys were. But it gave us an opportunity on social to kind of add context and say, Hey. We did this is for Derby Eve night. Oh, by the way, we also did this, and so we got even more eyeballs to see like our night it as a whole. Um, but it it, it just uh, you know it, it was kind of serendipitous where you have this lightning in a bottle moment, you have this thing that you've been working on for eight months, and uh, and it all kind of came together. And uh, again, still one of the one of the top moments of my career, and and I keep saying that because there's there's a few that kind of stand out in my mind but um you know instead of necessarily the impact in the community side of things this was more that wacky wild yeah like, only happens in minor league baseball for sure um that was a lot of fun i mean i still not quite sure how we pulled that off <laughs> um problem is we've also set the bar high so yeah uh, i'm pretty sure uh ryan moore who's our team president has uh, he's told me he said okay great you did it um, I want four horses next time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the work's cut out for us.
0: Did you guys place bets? No, 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 no. We
1: didn't do that. <laughs> okay. We should have done that. We yeah. might do that next time. Oh, right. uh, so Perfect. Set up
0: a, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, that's perfect, honestly. Um, <laughs> just the whole jersey thing and the play going viral and you guys racing horses, that's so wild. I can't tell you how... Um, how hard the ownership and management that I've worked for would have said absolutely not to that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? Like, I, and I get it. Like, we, we talk about that kind of stuff, and I, I'm not one to forget how lucky we are. I think that is a huge part of this. It's like, yeah. I, I know that not every team. Can do something like this. Um, I've been very lucky, and you asked about alternative fact sign. Like, yeah, that's a perfect segue. I'm very yep. lucky to have been in organizations where our management truly believes in what we do and does not put red tape up. They yeah. let us figure it out. Right. If we can, if if, if they are on board, they're on board, and they're going to have our back. And that's kind of what happened with alternative fact sign in Geary, Yeah. Um, you know, which is a completely different type of promotion. Nice. Um, you know, I, I said that the 45 seconds of the horse race might've been the most panic inducing 45 seconds of my life. The, uh, lead up to alternative facts. Night might've been the most panic inducing, uh, two months of my life. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, yeah, alternative facts night was 2017. That was an eerie. Um, and, uh, so Greg Coleman team, our team president, uh, calls us into the office. He calls Greg Gania, who's our, our um, AGM and broadcaster, and myself into the office. And this was right after the whole, you know, what's going on in politics with Trump and Kellyanne Conway and the whole alternative facts night fiasco and just, just the ridiculousness of all of it. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and he, he brings us in. Man, he brings us in and, and he goes, you know, I, I have, he says, I have an idea. I don't know if it's a good idea. (laughs) I have an idea. And so obviously, like, right off the bat, you're like, all right, let's go. Let's see what's going on. He
0: goes,
1: goes, I don't think any other team will touch this. But if I can get Fernando, who's our owner, Fernando Aguirre, if he's like, if I can get Fernando on board, and I think I can, I want us to do alternative facts. And so at that point, you're like, Okay, what
0: what do you thinking here? Are, yeah,
1: what are, what, what are, where are we going with this? Yeah, and and he goes, I think we do this against the Akron Rubber Ducks. He had a date. He had a he had a series that he wanted to do this. He's like, let's do this against the Akron Rubber Ducks, who were the defending Eastern League champions at the time. Okay, he goes, let's do it against Akron, and our hook will be we're giving away uh, replica rings of a championship that we didn't win and we celebrate <laughs> the Eastern League champion Erie SeaWolves with a record breaking record of 140 and 0 and we do it against the actual champions and we just say hey it's an alternative fact we won the Eastern League last year yeah um, <laughs> and like so when he said that like i i wish i could bottle up that emotion because it was one of those where you're <laughs> like Holy shit! Yes, that's perfect. Oh my god! Like, how do you even think of something like that? Um, and uh, and so we were like, "All right, that's that's our that's the play. We're gonna celebrate a championship we didn't win. Yeah, our hook is that we're gonna give away a replica ring of a championship we didn't win. Wow! And we're gonna do it against a team that actually won. Like those three pieces. That's your core, of right? Your promotion. But then the idea of like, all right, well, if we're going to call it Alternative Facts Night, we are no longer on the sidelines. We're dipping our toe into into political waters. Yeah. So we have to address that. We cannot just live on, on this giveaway in itself. So what are we going to do? And so then it became, all right, we need to be fair. So let's poke fun at both sides. This is not a political statement. This is simply using alternative facts and we are going to manipulate it in a way that fits our narrative.
0: Okay. You know,
1: we didn't win a championship. Alternative facts, though, we did win a championship. And so so we went down that route. And I remember after we decided that we were like, all right, let's 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 go ahead and do this, um, Greg Gandy and I sat in his office to, to draft up the press release. And that might have been the most fun that I've ever had, assisting in the drafting of a press release. Right, uh, And the most fun fun two hours ever because oh, sure. it took two hours to write this press release. Cause we we're just laughing so hard throughout this whole thing. We're going through old, uh, we're going through old Trump speeches. We're going through old Kelly and Conway speeches. We're literally taking, nice. it was like writing an SNL bit yeah. right, where you literally take what they're saying. And we just change a few words to fit the baseball narrative. And, okay. Like, the jokes write itself. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was so, so funny. Um, and, uh, and we decided, all right, let's put this out, and and we just we did it. It was one of the things where you throw it out there, and then we're going to backfill everything else and figure out the rest of the details later. Okay, and uh, you know our, our our owners, Fernando was was so uh, he was so supportive of the idea, and he basically said, "I believe in y'all. I know you guys are going to do the right thing. Let's do it. Let's do it big." Let's tow the line as far as we can without going over. Yeah. And if anything happens, I've got your back. And that means a ton, right? That yeah, a ton when you're thing like this. And you know, so so we we went for it. And on top of the giveaway, which was the hook, on top of the fact that we were crowning ourselves champions, we did things uh, to poke fun at both sides. We had we had uh, one of our ticket people one of our staff people uh put on a hillary mask she threw out the first pitch uh, <laughs> fernando was in town actually for that game which also made this a lot easier um fernando was in town he put on a trump mask and he threw out a first pitch as well wow. and we just said hey baseball is bringing politics together um you know bipartisanship <laughs> and uh we we gave out a basket of deplorables hillary nice. clinton had called uh, Trump and and his his group uh, deplorables. So we gave out an actual basket of deplorables to a yeah. lucky fan. Um, and we, I mean, they went to the store and got like clam juice and and hemorrhoid cream and all sorts of stuff—a literal basket of deplorables that you don't want. Um, we had a game where you had to find Hillary's emails. Our knockerball game wow. turned into uh, uh, North Korean nuclear balls. I mean. We're we're talking like we went in. Yeah. We went in deep. Um and uh I think the man, as I'm recounting this, this is (laughs) this (laughs) this is ridiculous that we did this. Um on the video board, our video (laughs) our video guide Nate, he put up (laughs) oh my god, he put up Mexico didn't pay for this wall either, with an arrow pointing down to our right field wall and the picture went viral and It was, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where no other team's going to do something like this. We're going to do it, and the only reason why we did it was because we thought that we took the most care into uh, being fair to both sides and playing this the right way and as close to the line as we can. And we also had ownership backing. I mean, that was the biggest thing. And, I mean, I'm telling you, we were 10 minutes to gates opening, and we are still in the conference room. Going through our game day script, Xing out skits or xing out stuff, being yeah. like, "Nope, we can't. We're not going to do this." Or, "Yes, we're going to do this and change." I mean, it was it okay. was nerve wracking, yeah, and it was super stressful. And and there was a lot of times through it, like I was all in. But there were times definitely through it where you're just like.
0: Uh, this could go wrong. Yeah. This could
1: blow up in our face, and you know the the social media messages and, and stuff like that. They are what they are. People are going to see it for what it is, and it, it was funny. Yeah, um, other people aren't, and that's okay. Uh, we did have a charitable aspect to it. And say that uh, it was also the last night of uh, of these specialty jerseys that we were wearing every Friday night. So we were going to do an auction, and that money went to the uh, Erie County Public Schools. Okay. Um, so you know, I, I feel like we checked every single box that we needed to, and 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 did it well. Like we didn't okay. just check to check; we did it with with thought and, and thoroughness. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, one of the most uh, nerve wracking promotions that we did. But you know, once the gates opened, you know it was one of those things where we all kind of looked at each other and said, here we go. Let's do this.
0: Right. And,
1: uh, you know, I, am very well aware that it's not for everybody. I'm very well aware that some teams look at us and say, man, that's really reckless and that's okay. I'm okay with that. (laughs) We, we did the best that we could. We had a lot of people work really hard to do it the right way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. I will never, ever, ever, uh, be ashamed of that, that we did that, it, it, it caught eyeballs people talked about it and uh and we had fun i mean we we ended up having fun and um you know now would i be uh, in a hurry to do something like that again
0: probably not yeah probably not
1: um but uh but yeah the 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 group of people that we had to pull that off um i'm 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 very proud that we did that um, I'm happy we did that, and it's something that i'll I'll always remember and, and one of those things where hey, only in minor league baseball, right
0: for sure, man, you've been a part of some wild promotions. goodness gracious um, so what's the strangest fan interaction you've had over the years your years in baseball
1: man um know man there's there's the season ticket holders for every team yeah just the super fans okay. so i think like yep. that's obviously one um and we had it from the beginning of indie ball to to now um i feel like that might be a little bit of a compound answer because every team has that yeah always have that one person right um i, I would say actually probably the most uh, reactions that make me laugh are the ones that I find on social media. So it's like I run our social here in Myrtle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I ran it in Erie as well, uh, or at least I helped run it in Erie. And uh, yeah, it's I think it's the people on the internet, man. Yeah. Like, th- there's there's plenty of folks that you see day to day, and plenty of funny stories that happen at the ballpark. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. There's something about people on the internet.
0: Because they're hiding behind an avatar.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's funny, you know. Like, there are people that, that uh, whether they're getting mad about something, whether they're asking a random question that does not do, have anything to do no. with what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I think I, I particularly like the ones where if we post something with information – Uh, they asked the question that if they had just read the post. Right. (laughs) Um, The other one that's pretty funny in Myrtle at least is uh, a lot of people um, tag, tag us as the new orleans pelicans yeah they miss they mess up the tag on twitter so we've had a lot of that we had a lot of it when scion got drafted
0: oh i'm sure number
1: one pick and the pelicans got the number one pick yeah there was a lot of people in our mentions that were like man at pelican baseball about to have Sion, huge pickup and we kind of played into that
0: you should have yeah tweet
1: it or or reply to them and be like can't wait to see him you know play shortstop or play the outfield yeah um we had, we had people that, you know, did edits of him in our Jersey and, and we cool. put that out and had fun with that. So I, I always kind of get a little bit of a chuckle when I see uh, somebody talking about basketball and they, they tag us by accident. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. There's, there's a lot. Um, I, I, this isn't strange, but I really, really enjoy the season ticket holders that you kind of learn, um, not learned, but that, that they become more than just season ticket holders. Um, had that a couple of times in Erie, definitely had that in San Rafael, in Sonoma, where I was um, and here in Myrtle beach, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, because they do kind of become your extended family to a degree. So sure. it might not be strange fan interactions, but, but I, I certainly appreciate um, those season ticket holders who, uh, you know, continue to check in. I mean, I'm, right. I, I have people in Erie that, Check in and, and like, hey, how you doing and stuff. And right. That that's that's cool.
0: Yeah, uh, but, for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, I I don't know. To pinpoint one is is tough. <laughs> Which I don't know. I don't know if that says something about minor league baseball or not.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, so I've shared a few, and you'll have to listen back um, to get those um, because I I think you know I'm not going to dive into that right now. But um, so. You know, you were talking about people tagging the you guys when they're trying to tag the New Orleans pelicans. Um, so I interviewed Nathan Boliva, who is the uh, radio broadcaster for the Peoria Chiefs. And he said, you would be surprised how many people tag us when Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown. And he's like, and it's weird because the the word Peoria is in our handle. So I don't really understand how people are doing that, but...
1: Yeah, I know. When you see Pelican baseball, that should probably give you... you should would, probably give you a hint.
0: You would think, right? So, um... I didn't even realize this when I asked you to be a guest on the podcast, but you literally just started your own podcast. Um, you and I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but I'm, I'm going to let you dive into it here. Um, you guys just released the first two episodes of the Snapbacks and Interbrews podcast. You want to tell us what people can expect from that, where they can find it, um, that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, full disclosure: This is uh, I, I. I think Austin. His name's Austin Share. Uh, uh,
0: I've seen him on Twitter a yeah, bunch. Austin.
1: Yes. Austin's the man. I love the guy. Um, formerly of Daytona. Um, I, I think Austin takes it much more seriously than I do. Um, this literally was just something because we were bored. Um, sure. We recorded the first episode back in like july okay. which was like peak quarantine teams uh, yep. time, quarantine times yep um and uh and then you know life happens and we now it's october 13th and we just finally released it um so that should tell you how seriously i'm taking this um <laughs> but uh it really you know i think we're not quite sure what the show is All right. uh, it was mostly because you know we were bored um but also, excuse me, um, but also because, you know, I, I think it's therapeutic for us in a way.
0: Yeah, of course. We
1: get a hour or two to just BS with each other and talk. And we happen to just throw that on the Internet. Um, and, you know, we, we, we try to make it abundantly clear that it's not affiliated with either of our work or there's, there's nothing professional about it. Um, it's just simply us getting away and and relaxing and and taking some time to make people hopefully make people laugh we certainly laugh a lot um the one thing i do have to fix i I curse so much it's just part of (laughs) my vernacular i I think i'm doing pretty well on this on this uh, i had
0: to i had to change that a lot man i had to
1: (laughs) i i it's just part it's just secondhand to me and and it's i know it's bad but (laughs) so but uh you know it's just it's It's part of my vocabulary. Yeah. So, and that's what that show is, man. It's, 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 it's Austin and I just drinking beers. Um, we call it snapbacks and interbrews. Um, mostly because we both like hats and particularly snapbacks. I'm wearing one right now. Right. Um, and, and interbrews, uh, came from, um, I think I texted him at one point and just said, Oh, this would be a fun name. Snapbacks and interviews. Um, kind of playing off of the Wiz khalifa snapbacks and tattoos and yeah he came back with well let's call it interbrews and then that gives us an excuse to drink on it and i was like i'm all in. bingo um, yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah it, it's really it's nothing too serious uh you know i i think we're both pretty self-aware that everyone and their mom is starting podcasts now yeah uh, but but truly this is something just for us to escape for for an hour yeah so what if we can help other people do that and it you know if it's just our friends that listen i don't care who cares it's, right it's fun it's it's nice to talk to him it's nice to have something to look forward to um it, it is it is funny it's we try to be funny we try to be open and honest about stuff and you know it's uh yeah it just so happened that we ended up dropping it this week um you yeah know, scheduled this before that um but yeah so we'll uh you know we kind of took that leap. I guess we got to start doing more of them. We've recorded a few episodes now. We'll have another one dropping uh, here in a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, I guess we're, we're doing this thing and yeah, it's kind of the show about nothing. Very silent.
0: Like, Um,
1: but uh, yeah, we basically some of it, we drink, we curse, we talk, we laugh, maybe we'll cry. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, at, uh, on twitter at interbrews pod and it's on spotify we're working on getting it on apple right now uh, but it's at on spotify and anchor uh just search snapbacks and the and simple uh interbrews um first two episodes are out now uh and you know if you like it great if you don't nice Really, not a big deal to me. (laughs) It's just another. It's just it's a hobby, man. Yeah, it's like going golfing. I'm not good at it, but I like doing
0: it. I get that. So, I mean, that was basically why I decided to start this. Is because you know now I I work a normal eight thirty to five, and you were talking about the cursing, dude. Going, going from baseball to working in, in insurance, and I work with all like older older women and, like, some of them, like, are very religious, and that's all fine and dandy, but when somebody tells me to go F off on the phone, I stand up and, you know, like, that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know?
1: I'm with you, brother. i I don't know how I'm going to... If I ever get a real job, I don't know how I'm going to do
0: it. <laughs> it. It's tough, man, But but so like I said, I work a normal 830 to 5. My fiance, she is a nurse, um, and so she works 12-hour shifts. Um, some of them are night shifts. Um, so I was kind of just left to my own devices, and I had the idea for this podcast for about two years before I actually started it, um, because I just never had the time, clearly. Um, and now I have the time, and it's been great just to, Catching up with with old friends that I know and meeting new friends um, that are in the industry, and we can swap these stories, you know, that go on behind the scenes that fans don't really know anything about. Um, and so it's it's not only for people that are in the industry; it's a little bit more catered towards that, but. I think you know normal baseball fans normal minor league baseball fans enjoy it as well so um you know this is the 36th episode and i can't really say like thank you enough for taking the time out of your evening to come on so oh,
1: dude this is this is awesome i i think um i think there's definitely a void out there of of folks that don't quite know what goes on behind the scenes right i i don't know and it, it, maybe you have an opinion on this i i feel like there's half of me that kind of wants to let people peek behind the curtain but there's the other half of me that kind of wants to keep that world to myself because it is such a special special place right it's it's nothing it's nothing like anything else um and it's a really wonderfully complex industry i guess i don't know there's there's just so much that go on but um I think there is value in, in having fans realize uh, what does go on behind the scenes and, and really know that, hey, we have their best interests in mind. Oh, yeah. Like no matter what, we're doing this for them. We're doing this for our communities, yeah. right? No one in their right mind just does 15-hour days, 10 days in a row for – you know from march to september uh just because you know it's a job like nobody does that like we do this because we want to and right?
0: and i'll be the first to say this we're not doing it for the money that's for yeah, sure
1: 100 <laughs> percent. absolutely yeah I, I i don't know why fans think that we somehow like we're getting paid like Ball players, like even the no. ball players who get paid, like some of the ball players, which is a totally different uh, subject. But, yeah. You know, not for the money. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of sacrifices, and I'm sure you know this too, and everybody that you've talked to, and the other people within the industry, you know, there's there's sacrifices in this. You know, I've, I've missed birthdays, I've missed, yep. I've missed weddings, I've missed, you know, I, I, I've missed holidays, and, and, you know, I don't see my friends and family as often. Right. And, but, uh, end of the day, we do this because we love it, and you know I'm I'm so thankful that there are people like you that are willing to kind of pull back that curtain for for listeners, whether they be in the industry or, or not. Yeah. Uh, especially if they're not in the industry, because uh, it certainly is uh, it's it's important to talk about, um, and it I, ha- I think it helps kind of put minor league baseball's industry into perspective a little bit better for folks right. that might not see the whole the whole picture
0: sure well thank you thank you so much uh so hunter where can the listeners find you on social media
1: uh so uh very active on twitter um at h underscore h-o-r-e-n-s-t-e-i-n, H-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. um i tweet primarily baseball stuff um once we get going into the season i'll tweet more about my job and, and kind of hopefully kind of pull back the curtain a little bit um i I really do also enjoy uh tweeting about uh, social media and and digital marketing and and interacting with people in that kind of sphere Um, and then the other thing is is mental health that's that's another one of my my big passions um so yeah at h underscore hornstein h-o-r-e-n-s-t-e-i-n uh that's the same for twitter and instagram instagram i mean there's i post every once in a while but right uh, you know uh if you want to follow me there go for it but twitter's <laughs> probably where you're going to get your money's <laughs> worth okay
0: perfect so you've listened to a couple episodes you know i end with the same question what's the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard during your time in minor league baseball and whose was it
1: oh man um so I, so I, you sent me that question, and I've been trying to
0: write
1: <laughs> about it. There's, there's so many good walk-up songs. I do want, so I'll, I'll give you one real, the one that kind of just stands out, and I don't know why it stands out. There's nothing really that special about it, but just I, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm also going to tell you one that stands out for completely opposite reason. So the first one is. Um, it's a Chance the Rapper song. Oh, and I, can't, I talk about how it stood out, and I can't even remember the name. Um, uh, Something Waters, and it was Chance the Rapper. Okay. And I don't know why I just have this stuck in my head, but uh, the first time that that song played it, and it, was, uh, it was an eerie. It was Kristen Stewart who is now uh playing left field or right field for the Tigers now. Yep. Um it was when he was in double A. That was his song and it was something Waters by by Chance the Rapper. Um uh, maybe I'll try to remember it.
0: I'm trying uh, I'm trying to look it up. Over. Um
1: but uh I just vividly remember seeing <laughs> seeing my two of our two of our interns including my my direct intern um singing to it when he was coming up to bat and and one of one, his name was uh, there Elijah and and uh, uh, Brendan, and they were singing to it and kind of like dancing to it. And I don't know why that sticks out in my head, but it does. Um,
0: Hundred and, Waters yeah. with Skrillex. Hundred, oh, that's
1: it. That's it. Yes. Yes. All right. Hundred Waters. Yes. Yeah.
0: With Skrillex and Chance the Rapper. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I don't know why that sticks out to me. I'm sure there's plenty of of other songs that that stick out. To be honest. I'm not really paying attention to the walk-up songs. Um, (laughs) I've got too much going on. But for whatever reason, that uh, image of them singing and dancing to it, and me not having any clue what song this was. (laughs) And it was kind of one of those first moments where, and they're like 21 at the time or whatever it was. And I was kind of like, hey, what? what song is this? And it was just one of those moments where I was like, Oh my God, do I not know what, uh, what's cool anymore? Because I really like the song <laughs> But that image in, in its head, uh, in my head kind of sticks out. Uh, but yeah, hundred waters. It was Kristen Stewart's walk up song, um, uh, for Erie, And now he's, now he's in the big leagues and, and Kristen was a, a really cool guy. Um, super nice, great in the community. And, uh, uh, yeah, for some reason that, that song sticks out to my head. The other is, uh, um, Broken Halo, which is a very slow song, um, but it but it was one of our guys in Myrtle, and I think it was Connor Myers. I might I might be wrong, but I think it was Connor Myers. But it's Broken Halo, and it's 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 a great. Uh, I think it's Chris Stapleton. It's a great song. Okay, it's great. Um, but it's very slow, and it's like it's it's very melodramatic <laughs> and stuff. And I, I the reason why I remember this song so much is because. Our staff hated whenever he came up and that song had to play because he was he was a guy that drove in runs and and uh, there was times when we get excitement in in the end in uh, the late innings you know and stadiums rocking we've got you know pump up music going tying runs at third and then here comes Connor Myers and if it's not Connor Myers song I Connor if you're listening to this I apologize I'm sorry but I think it was Connor Myers. He would come up to bat, and then the mood just drops. Right, this Chris Stapleton super slow song, <laughs> and uh, and I remember our our video guy at the time, our video guy at the time, Kyle, just hated it. Um, our associate GM uh, Kristen uh, finally was like. Done. If if he comes up in a situation where we need the atmosphere up and like we're in the late innings, he does not get his walk-up song. She's like, I can't. I cannot stand having the energy just dropped down low because of this slow song. And it's like nobody thought it was a bad song. Every like we. It's a good song. I have it on my Spotify playlist. Yeah. Uh, but just for the moment, it always seemed like. Because in the first inning it's fine, right? Sure. Second inning, fine. But it always seemed like he came up in those key moments where we needed to keep the energy up. Yeah. And freaking broken broken halo came on, oh, and it just killed everything. Yeah. And I just remember our staff just like ripping their hair out to that. And to me, that to me that was funny. I, like oh I yeah, like we have to keep the energy. Like there's showmanship to what we do. Yep. Um, I just thought it was really funny <laughs> that uh, it would cause that much of a uh, an issue. That's <laughs> so, great, especially because it's a good song. I love the song.
0: Yeah, wow, man, that's great. So, yeah that that wraps it up, man. So, thank you so much, Hunter, for taking the time out of your night to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, everybody, check out the Snapbacks and Inner Bruise Podcast. Um, that that Hunter and Austin just put out. Um so yeah, man, thanks again for, for coming on.
1: I, I appreciate it, Bob. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me,
0: man. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you.
1: I got a crick
0: in my neck, limp in my step, cramping in my muscles every time I try to flex with broke. Not really in the right
1: mindset to seem off you've listened to the Polling tarp podcast distributed by stoveleg media make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about bobby and the rest of the show stoveleg media igniting conversation